Well, it is time for our regular wine segment, and that means it's time to check in with Tanya Tomaszewska, strategic business advisor to the wine industry, the BC wine industry, also banking lawyer turned wine professional. Tanya, great to chat with you once again. Hi, Jill. It's great to be back on. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I'm very much, well, always looking forward to what you have to say about wine, but you have just returned from a very quick trip to London. So we're doing a bit of a an international look at wines and what you encountered and what you tasted on your travels. Yeah, I just got back a few days ago. I was on the ground in London and in Somerset, England, in the countryside for about eight days and I saw a lot. Um, I had a chance to see what was on the shelves there in everything from local grocery stores to Michelin starred restaurants. You know, there is a huge range of wine from all over the world, from England, continental Europe and beyond. Also, as you might imagine, beer, ciders, and like in BC, you know, increasingly more low alk low alcohol, non-alc, non-alcohol, and ready-to-drink offerings. So it's really a mecca for beverage lovers, and there's a lot to explore. I'm glad you mentioned that too. Yesterday on the show, we were talking about a new uh, bar that's opening up in Kelowna. It's all non-alcoholic, but it's that high-end, uh, de-alcoholized wines and beers. So so you're right, there certainly is uh, a growing trend there. Um, I know you saw a lot, uh, like what you just said, and and what about though the different, uh, the different wine? Uh, London itself isn't really, I think, considered a, a, a big wine region, but what about the local British wine industry? Great question. So, you know, in many ways, London is a hub for global wine trade and media and a trade crossroads. So if you're in London or in or in Great Britain, you have an opportunity to try wines from all over the world. And when I'm there, I, you know, I, I take that opportunity to sip my way around the globe a bit. And we can chat a little bit later, if you like, about where I do that. Um, but, you know, what I think many people don't know or aren't aware of is that in Britain, there is actually a local wine industry. And in many ways, I see parallels with what we have in British Columbia in terms of, you know, a comparatively young region and burgeoning and nascent, but really getting on the global uh, wine map. Some of that has to do with changing weather patterns. Um, and, you know, it's really exciting. So if you think about, if you've been to that part of the world, you might have not uh, observed that, uh, you know, Southern England has similar weather patterns to here on the coast in British Columbia, you know, um, dark, wet winters, mild springs, sunny and warm summers. So there are some similarities. Um, so for example, uh, you know, in England, they are making wine from grapes grown in their own vineyards. And one category of wine that's really exciting and is I'm watching is English fizz or you know, sparkling wine. That market has really taken off in England. Um, they grow Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, which you probably know are key grapes grown in Champagne to make sparkling wine. And those grapes, like here, have are having success in England. So if anyone's curious to try an English fizz here in our market in British Columbia, one product off the top of my head I know that we can get is called Gusbourne. Um, I don't think we can, we might see Nye Timber here, but if you ever find yourself uh, further afield and would like to try some famous English sparkling wine, look for Nye Timber. It's an interesting time because the British have traditionally been a huge market for French sparkling wine and champagne. So um, it's, you know, it's cool to see that their local bubbles are becoming more, uh, I guess, popular and it's a big shift there. So uh, so that's one example of English made wine. 
Um, another one is Bacchus. So if anyone has tried Bacchus uh, in British Columbia, you'll know that we grow some on Vancouver Island and Gulf Islands and the Fraser Valley. If you know Shaberton and Langley, they make a lovely Bacchus. Um, but there's some Bacchus and Ortega being grown in England um, as well. So they're making some white wines from that. So um, it's always fun to dabble in local wine, I think. And uh, it's exciting to observe what's going on in England. Uh, and at the same time, when you're in London, you can try, you know, wines from pretty much all over the world at the same time. So it's a great place to explore um, the wine scene. Uh, and and it's interesting that you mentioned that too, that the wine scene and how that's really expanding because a lot of people would think of the pubs and the traditional English pub and beer, lots of different types of beer available. Uh, I would imagine too, if say you're with a group, some of you like wine, some of you like beer, there's still a pretty good beer scene. You bet. The pub and beer scene is still strong. I really love the culture of meeting a friend or a group of friends for a half pint at the end of the day to connect and chat. And um, that's still going strong in England. Um, and increasingly, though, again, I observe that that half pint, if you call it that, need not contain alcohol. So again, here in BC, I've been enjoying recently a lot of 0% or 0.5% alcohol beer options that we have. And so I was curious to see the extent to which these kinds of products are being taken up and embraced by consumers when I went to London last week, um, you know, whether they're being adopted in pubs. And lo and behold, the first pub I went to on day one uh, so I saw that there was a huge range of different types of beer on tap, uh, beer made in the United Kingdom, uh, beer from Europe. Um, but also I tried something called a small beer pale, uh, which was a juicy citrus blonde beer, and it had 2.5% alcohol. <laughs> and right next to that tap was something called Lucky Saint, which is an unfiltered alcohol-free lager you know, close to 0%, maybe 0.5%. So, um, you know, my quick kind of first uh, anecdotal scan of the scene there was that there, if you go to the pub, there are options for everyone in terms of those who, uh, you know, are still partaking in or choose that day to partake in something with alcohol. But equally, you can get a, a glass of beer that doesn't have any alcohol. So, um, you know, and similarly, I saw Guinness 0% in cans and on tap. So there really is something for, uh, for all beer lovers. Yeah, it's just so great to see so many options and more and more of those products that really do taste great or they taste they taste much better than if you look back at the, the near beers that uh, were around uh, a few years ago. Absolutely. Uh, what else is popular? What else are you seeing? Well, again, like here, I'm seeing just but on a, on a much larger, larger scale, I'm seeing, you know, canned, wow, so many different types of beverages in cans, whether it's wine, sparkling wine, white wine, rosé, red, um, ready to drink cocktails like Gordon's Gin and Tonic, Grey Goose Vodka Spritzes, Absolute Espresso Martini, or um, canned non-alcoholic spirits or mocktails you know, rhubarb botanicals. So similar to British Columbia and North America are embracing um, cans for smaller serves and for sustainability and for, I guess, a, a, you know, a whole bunch of different reasons. I'm, I, I saw that in the, in the aisles of supermarkets when I was walking down and really my eyes were all like I, my eyes were popping out of my head. It, it, there were so many, not only from Britain, but also from, uh, from beyond. So definitely the canned beverage category, no matter what's in that can is really, is really taken off. So I saw a lot of that again, both with, uh, spirits or non-spirits, um, beer and wine. So, um, there's a lot on offer there and a ton to explore and lots of different styles and, and really something for all different types of tastes. So I'd say that's quite popular right now. 
Right. And you mentioned the Gordon's Gin and some of those names that, that people will recognize. Is it also small craft brewers or brewers like we see here? Great question. Absolutely. My observations are that there is a really large craft or artisanal drink scene going on, um, you know, farm to table type approaches or uh, uh, beverages that have ingredients, you know, within the 10 mile approach. Um, you know, not that far off, perhaps how we support a lot of our artisanal beverage making here in British Columbia. And again, this is really nothing new for England, you know, where there's a very strong farming history. There te- seem to be farmyard shops everywhere uh, in the countryside. So, you know, the types of things that I saw and I really enjoyed were um, apple ciders, you know, alcoholic or non-alcoholic made from uh, apples picked on the land I was walking on in a farm in Somerset, Um, apple gins, um, lots of elderflower products, uh, syrups and spritzers and wine, uh, kind of wine infused drinks, Uh, lots of cordials made from local blackberries, raspberries, blackcurrants, gooseberries, rose hips. Um, you know, all sorts of really fresh botanical or fruit-based beverages um, and, and you know, beverages that are made really close to where those fruit are picked um, and by local, small local businesses, very much like here. So, um, yeah, there's kind of, it's on, it's on for <laughs> young and old, as they say in Australia, where I lived for many years, and there's something for everyone. So, um, yeah, lot, lots to explore on the farm front. All right. So a quick look, though, uh, back to the wines that uh, you experienced. If anyone is planning a trip to London, where would you send them? Well, there are, I mean, it's really hard. I could send you for a year and you wouldn't get through everything. However, uh, a couple of different ideas. If you're looking for things like going to a wine bar or bistros or restaurants where they've got some fun wine lists where you can really taste around the globe. Um, A very famous uh, group of uh, wine bars are Noble Rot. So some people may be familiar with Noble Rot publications. Um, There are a couple of different locations in in London. So I really recommend popping into Noble Rot. Um, If people find themselves ever in Covent Garden um, in kind of the central London area, there's a great place called 10 Cases Bistro. And people might often find themselves in the Soho West End Theatre District. And some of my favorite places there are around the Greek Street area. Book wine bar and a 10 Greek Street Bistro. So these are just a few examples of places in central London where you might find yourself if you're going as a tourist, um, nice little quiet places to pop in and have a glass. Um, in terms of if you want to do some wine shopping or window browsing, a very famous wine store is Berry Brothers and Rudd in Pall Mall. Um, they have a very uh, a kind of traditional, um, the original storefront, but they've expanded it uh, in the last couple of years. Um, so that's a great place to go in and have a browse. But really, any small of the uh, small local wine stores in the different villages in London um, are fantastic. They have what I call integrated experiences. You can go in, you can taste wine, you can buy wine. Um, it, they're very, very small local bottle shops and lots to learn. And then you can always just browse the sh- browse the aisles in Sainsbury's or Marks and Spencer's or Tesco. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a range. I think you can't, you can't miss it. Anytime you see a shop, just kind of go in and people are very happy to chat about the wines that they have from around the world. So I'd say those for wine. And then, um, you know, if you're interested in exploring these other types of beverages that I've been chatting about, you know, there's always the pub. So (laughs) it's fun. You know, you kind of, you see the after work crowd and it's, uh, you know, one of the 
few, uh, you know, few places perhaps that I can go to and stand outside in a, in a road and have a pint of something in my hand and kind of get together with some people and chat after work. And, you know, I think no matter whether you have the 0% beer or a Guinness or a mocktail or wine, it's all about clinking glasses with your mates out on the out at the pub or at the bistro and you know that's what this is about connecting connecting with each other so uh, those would be my very broad tips for when you're in london all right sounds great tanya we will leave it there for today but thank you so much for doing this thank you so much have a great weekend i look forward to next time we can have a chat